Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 13th. Bathe your heart's sorrows in the clear, purifying water of devotion. View suffering as a layer of mud around your heart, waiting to be hosed away by intense devotional love. That's a very beautiful and extremely helpful idea. Um, when Master came to America in 1920, he brought with him, a, uh, or published here, I'm not sure, a small book that he called The Science of Religion. It was actually ghostwritten by one of his disciples because Master didn't feel confident enough about English yet, but he gave the disciple the ideas. Later, Swamiji actually rewrote that book and called it God is for Everyone. Um, in the first edition, it was called The Science of Religion. And Master basically took the entire ancient teaching of India and reduced it down to two principles to which it can be reduced and everything else follows from that. All sentient beings have two desires. One is to escape suffering and the other is to experience happiness. What each sentient being considers as suffering and what it considers as happiness is an ever-shifting perception of reality but from the point of view of, of the being, and spirit is center everywhere, circumference nowhere, so each sentient being is the center of its own universe, it will have an idea of what will cause me suffering and what will bring me happiness, and then we pursue it. And if you stand back and look very carefully at your life, you will realize that every decision you've made, whether wise or, or um, foolish, was always based on some evaluation of how those two realities would play out if I did this or didn't do this or however you followed it. And it always seems like a good idea at the time because it always seems that I will suffer less and I will be happier. Drug addicts, you know, the intense desire for the drug, um, it feels like I'll suffer less if I take it than if I don't take it and have to go through this withdrawal. And the, the only point when they're able finally to, to best that addiction is when the suffering of withdrawal feels more like happiness compared to the continuation of the addiction, when the balance shifts. And that applies to everything. Everything that we do that isn't in our best interest is really an addiction of some sort. It's a, it's a irrational belief that this is essential to my happiness. And the the undercurrent, the under-theme of this whole discussion is the only thing that is essential to our happiness is that we be in attunement with God. And the only thing that causes us suffering is being out of tune with the divine. But that's not obvious to us. That's not obvious because of what the ancient teachings call, uh, describe as maya. Maya is an actual conscious force that... Um, casts a spell over us. 
Maya bewitches us. Sometimes it's a, a, a woman saucer, sorcerer is how it's presented. And it's, um, it's active and it draws, us, it draws us in the wrong direction. In the West, we sometimes say Satan. But Satan isn't as subtle as the word Maya because Maya is very, very attractive. Satan, we think of as self-evidently evil and not in our best interest. But Maya bewitches us and persuades us that, in fact, it is in our best interest. Of course, Satan does too, but that's how it works. So what happens is we suffer because um, what causes suffering and what causes happiness is not really up for discussion. And I don't mean that there's a divine, you know, judging God that punishes us when we behave incorrectly. He doesn't need to. <laughs> but there is, there is a reality to our own being. That's why Sanatan Dharma, which is India's own name for its ancient teaching, can also be translated into that which is. We are made a certain way. I mean, physically we're made a certain way with very few exceptions, which would be someone who is spending all their good karma in this incarnation despite their own actions. If you smoke cigarettes, it's not going to work out for you. If you drink a lot of whiskey, it's not going to work out very well for you physically. If you eat completely devitalized food and don't give yourself you know, proper nutrition, it's not going to work out that well for you. If you, just, if you never exercise and constantly overeat, physically it's going to have a certain effect on you. If you're angry all the time and do nothing but spout anger at everyone, you will probably end up without any friends. I mean, these are just, it's not, God doesn't have to punish you. It's just the way cause and effect works. And so what happens to us over many incarnations is that we gradually figure it out. We gradually have enough experiences that the cause and effect relationships between our actions and the results that we get begin to penetrate. And it, it takes more than one lifetime to do it. It takes many lifetimes to do it. So, but the, the liberating, uplifting, thrilling realization that all our experience gradually leads us to is that we don't actually have to look for happiness, we just have to stop doing those things which make us unhappy. Happiness is what is left when we remove all the limiting conditions that keep us from experiencing it. I mean, that, that's a big sentence, but what that means is, is that bliss is our true nature, but we wander away from our true nature and we start, well, as Swami puts it in here, we start playing in the mud. We are pure shining gold, but we constantly are just putting mud over our pure shining gold, and then we're so confused because we're covered with mud. But it doesn't mean that we've become mud, because one of the principles of Sanatana Dharma is that we we're all pure children of God, and that God loves all of us equally. He doesn't love Krishna or Buddha or any of the great saints of the world any more than he loves any creature, no matter how evil that creature may appear, any human being, no matter e how evil that human being may appear, that we are all equally loved by God because we are all equal manifestations of God. It just depends how much mud we put over our, our true golden nature. So the question is, how do you get rid of the mud? 
And that's what all of spiritual discipline, all of sadhana, all of right living, all of the practice of the virtues, that's where all of it, all of it is just the means by which we wash the mud off. We're not earning God's love. We're not earning our, our goodness. We're simply removing those things that have, that have obscured it. And the most powerful way to wash that mud off is with devotion, is by loving God, is by repudiating our separate identity completely. What happens when you love someone? When you love someone, there's an automatic sense of unity. And the more you love, the more there's that sense of unity. I remember the first time one of my peers um, had, uh, became a mother, had a baby. Um, she was quite young. We were young. We were about 20 at the time. She was a very young mother. And I remember when the baby was with, at the toddler stage, where he was very, very active. He was into everything but he was very young and very small and then not that easy to discipline. Children at that age are extremely eager to experience life and they don't have, it's not that easy to explain to them what they should and shouldn't do. And many philosophies of child rearing, you know, say that you, you just monitor them. You don't really try to, to mold them yet because it's a little too soon. But she came to visit me and she brought her adorable little son with her and my house was not baby-proofed in any way. And so she and I are trying to have a conversation, as we often had. But her son is everywhere. <laughs> and so there's no continuity to our adult conversation because she's constantly having to get up and move the baby and shift him here and do that and do this with him. We, weren't really, we hadn't really set ourselves up in a very constructive way for the visit. But I just watched her doing this. And... I have an, I've never been, I've never raised a child in this lifetime, but I have an intuitive sense of children. But in any case, still, I looked at her and finally I said, how can you stand this? And she sort of said, what? And I said, just this constant chaos created by this little child. And, and her answer, I've never forgotten it because it was so perfect. She looked at me and with the sweetest smile, she said, oh... She said, you're looking at my son and me, and you're seeing us as two different people. She said, but from my point of view, there's only one of us. Meaning that my consciousness is completely surrendered and is part of him. So I don't feel like I am being interrupted when I have to go and take care of him. Taking care of him is like washing my own hands. It's just like what I would do, because we are one now. So all resistance, all selfishness, all self-concern. I mean, this is why, divinely speaking, people are drawn or driven um, to have children. Because for many, it is the most dynamic way to learn selfless service. Because one is compelled, one is compelled by necessity, or ideally compelled by love, to sacrifice everything of yourself, just to take care of the one you love. So all of the mud that covers our gold is, is, can be very um, neatly categorized as self-concern, which is, what about me? What if I don't get what I want and I do get something I don't want? Likes and dislikes, self-concern, conditional happiness, that's what the mud is. But when we really love 
all issues of self are completely um, forgotten. They're not even suppressed. They're just forgotten in the, in the joyful opportunity to love and to serve. This is what my friend was telling me. Um, so the, the most dynamic way to wash away the mud is to love God. And then what we begin to experience is we, we begin to experience the gold that is our true nature. And that experience doesn't come just by, oh, I'd like to love God more than I love myself now. It doesn't come just with that thought. This is where sadhana, this is where discipline, this is where serving the world comes from. This is where um, concentration and creativity and, and, and true self-expression. It's not, it's not that we suppress ourselves, it's that we align ourselves with higher consciousness. So instead of consistently just doing what I want, we try to think, how can I cooperate with what the divine wants? And it's, they're not necessarily opposite. Swamiji said that to me once very emphatically. God does not want you to be unhappy. He said, that's your idea, not his. He wants you to be happy, but he wants you to be happy because you are um, attuned to the flow, to the true flow of happiness, not just to your um, wrong ideas of where happiness comes from. Everything about life is the desire to escape happiness, to escape suffering, and to find happiness. And all of spiritual progress is to understand what really causes suffering and what really causes happiness. So what God wants us to do is he wants us to consistently act according to those things that will make us happy. And sometimes there's a long, disciplined route to get there because we have a lot of bad habits. You know, uh, somebody who has had serious addictions, substance addictions, you know, to, to become clean and sober is not necessarily a straight or an easy line to get to. And it's just practice for learning where does suffering come from, where does happiness come from, how can I shift my momentum to the right story. And devotion, simple devotion to God, making a friendship with the divine, feeling Divine Mother's presence with us, doing those practices of prayer and music and japa and meditation if you can and selfless service and all of these things. The reason we do them is because they give us an actual experience of what it means to love God and to be loved by God. And when we have that point of reference, then everything else will naturally follow from that. So Swamiji says, Bathe your heart's sorrows in the clear, purifying water of devotion. View suffering as a layer of mud around your heart, waiting to be hosed away by intense devotional love. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.